welcome to this week's edition for the Wise Up TX podcast. This is your host, Azra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up TX is my platform to inform the South Asian and Muslim communities about Texas and national politics. You can find us on all forms of social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is at WiseUpTX. You can also check out our podcasts, which are on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and Google Play. Again, the handle is at WiseUpTX. And last but not least, you can check out our website, www.wiseuptx.com. Remember, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. Well, it's been a while since I've recorded a segment for y'all, and I'm sorry for that. Things have gotten a little busy, but um, I just wanted to remind everyone that early voting is happening for the primary runoffs. Um, It started on Monday the 14th all the way until Friday the 18th, and Election Day is May 22nd. You may be wondering, well, I voted for the primaries in March. Why is there another election? Totally understandable. Um, What you need to understand and realize is that for the primaries, there can be a lot of candidates. And if one candidate didn't secure 50% of the votes, it goes to a runoff. And so there's plenty of elections that are in a runoff. Um, If you voted in either the Democrat or or Republican primary, you can only vote in that a particular party's runoff. If you didn't vote at all in the primary, but um, are registered as either a Democrat or Republican, you can vote in <clears throat> that primary runoff. So I sincerely urge you all to vote. A lot of times for both Democrats and Republicans, a district is gerrymandered so well that it is going to be red or blue either way. And the primary is kind of the main um kind of the main election because whoever, if it's so gerrymandered, it's going to be a red or a blue. Whoever wins in that primary is essentially going to win in the general election in November. So I sincerely urge you all to check it out and go vote to make sure you wise up. We've been posting things on the Facebook and Twitter accounts um, to, you know, give everyone a little bit more information to wise up on whom they will be voting on. All right. I also wanted to wish a Ramadan Mubarak to all those celebrating. And I also wanted to briefly discuss um, city and municipal elections just happened a couple of weeks ago. And um, we had a gentleman by the name of Salman Bojani that became a city councilman for the city of Ulis. Um, I feel like his story deserves a segment of its own. And I will go into more detail on that later. But essentially, his state representative... Uh, Representative Stickland um, really campaigned against Salman Bojani for, and he's running for a nonpartisan seat um, as being a Muslim and using that against him, which was really unfortunate. And that just goes to show you the amount of Islamophobia um, that is happening in Texas. Um, in fact, a study just came out from the Haas Institute in Berkeley that Texas, you know. We're always the greatest and everything's bigger in Texas. Um, We have also been the state that has filed the most Islamophobic legislation since 2010. So there have been 21 different types of legislation that have been filed. Um, That doesn't mean all of them have passed. They've just been filed. Um, And remember, the anti-Sharia bill did pass um, back this past legislative session. And then also Nuzith High. Um, She was elected for Irving ISD School Board of Trustees for Higher Education, and she was also elected to her uh, position, which I think is exceptionally exciting um, for the North Texas community. Um, Also kind of pivoting back to what's happening on um, these elections that are occurring for the primary runoffs, um, 
please don't forget that if you're living in the Sugarland Pearland and um, Katie area, that you have a big um, runoff, um, you're going to vote for who would be the Democratic candidate for um, your district that would represent you in DC. And that Leticia Plummer. And so for both of them, um, they're both minorities. And Sri Preston Kulkarni is half Indian, half white. And Leticia Plummer is a Muslim running, a female Muslim running for office. So that's um, the primary that I think will be really important for the South Asian and Muslim communities um, to see how that will pan out because the KD, Pearland, Sri Lanka area is, has a huge South Asian and Muslim population. So I think it'll be interesting to see who wins um, that election. So again, early voting for that has already started up until Friday, May 18th, and election day is May 22nd. So please get out and vote. All right, y'all, we have an interview with um, Laura Moser, and she is running for office in District 7, so that's the Houston area. Um, she's running for Congress, and she has also had a pretty tough primary, and she's in a primary runoff against her opponent. Uh, just a few things about her. Her campaign got a lot of national media attention, essentially because um, the Democratic uh, DCCC, essentially, they um, did opposition research against her and they felt that she was too progressive of a candidate for that district and were not really a big fan to support her. Um, she's still running as a Democrat and you can kind of listen in to hear what her campaign is about along with the reasons um, or the feelings that she had when she found out about the opposition research against her while she's running for the Democratic Party. So just a little bit about Laura Moser. She's a mother, journalist, author, activist, and fifth-generation Houstonian who's running for Congress in Texas's 7th District. After the presidential election of 2016, Laura founded Daily Action, a text message service that has mobilized nearly 300,000 Americans to get involved in the political process, some for the very first time, and has notched real victories, including helping to block the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, ousting Steve Bannon, and forcing Republicans to renege on their plans to gut the Congressional Ethics Office. Since then, Laura has become one of the female leaders of the resistance against the Trump era politics. All right, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to dive right into the questions. So before moving back to Houston, you lived in D.C. Your main opponent in the runoff has not moved from Houston. So why do you believe you're more qualified than her? Um, I don't believe that where I lived during the Obama administration has anything to do with my connection to Houston or my qualifications to represent Houston. And I have met thousands of voters and their concerns, not about what my Houston pedigree is, but about what I can do to help them with flood prevention and healthcare access and affordable tuition, you know, living wage. Um, Okay, so you're really focusing on the issues that are um, culminated in District 7, correct? Yes, as are the voters. All right, and so from your website, it seems like you're really campaigning on, such as you mentioned before, infrastructure, education, health care, climate change, and the recovery efforts from Hurricane Harvey. So 
Do you mind telling us a little bit more about your campaign platform? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I would also add gun reform to that list. Okay. I mean, my campaign platform is basically a proudly, you know, progressive uh, series of values. I think that what I believe is um, my beliefs are shared by the majority of Americans and Texans, and I believe we would win more elections if we actually fought for uh, progressive values that benefit um, everyone and not just a few people at the very top. And why do you think that is? Why do I think um, people don't embrace those values? Yeah, and why do you think, you know, that um, you would win more elections if you were to embrace a more progressive platform? I mean, I think Democrats in general um, would because we neglect our base and the problem in Texas is turnout and we don't give, um, we don't offer people real change and people don't show up to the polls far too often, which is why we're 40 cents in turnout. That's an interesting take. That's something like I, um, I would definitely like to, you know, ponder on to see if, if we were to embrace a more progressive platform, if that would motivate the Democratic base more and, and to get more voter turnout for Democrats. I mean, that's my, that's my wager, right? That's, I, I believe that we've tried the other thing over and over. It hasn't worked. Definition of insanity is expecting a different result, <laughs> you know. Right. I believe it's time in this year to try something different. That is interesting. And so I'm going to pivot over, you know, we're discussing the Democratic Party. And um, for those listeners that don't know this, but prior to the primary election, the DCCC did opposition research against you during the primary campaign. And so I wanted to ask, how did you feel when you found out about it? Oh, I mean, terrible. I still feel terrible when I think about it because I think if Democrats want to start winning elections, they need to uh, start doing opposition research on Republicans, which is the Republicans in California, and not, you know, attack their own. Yeah, that's understandable because you're running on a platform for a party that is doing research against you. That must be pretty, uh, must be pretty conflicting, I feel like. Yeah. And I've been a Democrat all my life, which is um, not the case with everyone. And I, I'm proud to be a Democrat. And I just, you know, I don't think um, the problem is, you, you know, I mean, I think the Democratic platform is, is very good. I agree with most of it. I think we need more candidates who are willing to fight for that. Right. And you just. And equality and, you know. Okay, and you just uh, mentioned that you've been a lifelong Democrat. Would you mind giving us a brief history of your um, history of being a Democrat? Sure. I mean, I come from a long line of Texas Democrats. My mother was on the board of Planned Parenthood for um, most of my youth. My dad has done, like, legal, free legal defense work for Planned Parenthood. We used to go to Austin for the legislative openings to, you know, for good and bad causes. We went to Ann Richards' inauguration. It was a very big day in my adolescence. And uh -huh. I just, you know, I've knocked on doors for candidates uh, since fifth grade when my dad ran for a judge here in Harris County. And I never stopped for every presidential election. I've always um, been a very eager canvasser. Okay. And, and you, you worked in D.C. as well, am I correct? Yes. I mean, we lived there because of my... Um, husband's job, but I did work as a journalist there. All right, and so 
while you were in D.C., I believe after President Trump became elected, you started the program Daily Action. Am I correct? Yes. And how about you tell my listeners a little more about it and why you started it? Sure. And that's also part of my electability argument. Um, in 2000, about a month after the election, I had um, noticed uh, that people were really distraught about the state our country was going in and um, scared about what the Trump administration would bring. And um, guess what? It turns out we went wrong. But, I, but there was no kind of guidance or leadership. People were trying to overturn the Electoral College. And um, and I thought, with my background as a journalist and as a person who can write things, um, Thankfully, I decided to try to find one action a day that could give people direction and that they could have kind of a stake in our government uh-huh. and a voice without, you know, dropping their day job. Um, right. So I, I launched that and um, 300,000, nearly 300,000 people had signed up within two months. Oh, wow. Little, you know, so that's kind of, and that's also been the same approach I've taken to this campaign, which is... Um, we need more people to participate for democracy to work, period. Democracy is not about coalitions of the elite. Democracy is about everyone having a voice and everyone speaking up. And that's the campaign I'm trying to run, and I think that's the winning formula for any low-turnout district like this one in Texas. All right, so... People have a reason to show up, and they will. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess my next question to you is, if you win the runoff, which is, you know, early voting has already started and the election is May 22nd, um, you still have to run a, another campaign against uh, Representative Culberson, am I correct? Yes. And why do you think you'd be a better representative um, compared to him if you were to win the runoff? Oh, well, I mean, I believe climate change is real. I believe tax cuts should shouldn't just benefit, like, three people. I believe that a woman has the right to control her own body. I believe that, you know, the guns are a huge uh, problem in our society, and I don't. Um, I'm not controlled by the NRA or by the cement lobby or, you know, by home developers. You know, I'm, I'm proudly funded by regular people. You know, I have over 21,000 contributions to... This campaign averaging about $48, um, he, he, he does not. I, I think that it's really important for politicians and people putting themselves up for office to actually feel responsibility to the people um, who elect them. And I think he's really lost touch with that. And I, I, I would provide transit options. I mean, Houston's um, traffic and congestion has gotten so terrible because we're, you know, the largest major city in the country without... Um, a really robust public transportation system because of Culberson. All right, that's good to know. Um, I'm going to pivot to our last question for today. You know, you've been a lot, um, you've been stated a lot in the media, covered a lot in the media, and I read an article in Vogue and that you said that your husband and you have kind of switched roles during the campaign. I wanted to ask, you know, how's that been going for you? And do you find being a woman and a mother makes running for office difficult? Like, do you think that's the reason why many other women don't run for office unless they have a supportive spouse? Um, sure. Yeah, it's really difficult. I mean, you're here right now. I'm actively trying to keep my daughter from bursting into the room <laughs> here, uh, interview and it's just like there's no my husband's great my kids do not eat many vegetables anymore because they eat a lot of pizza and takeout which is fine uh, our house 
every day, no matter what. And that usually means waking up earlier than I should be or staying up. You know, last night I came home from the forum and um, got into bed and read with my daughter and learned about my son's bar test with him. And, you know, they were kind of, they kind of should have been in bed. But uh, I think what gets lost in the process, you know, in the shuffle is, or the juggle, rather, is, any personal time, but obviously it's worth it. I think the other solutions um, know, you know, it's like there's not enough hours in the day to be a mother and be a candidate. And I know many working moms in all fields share that exhaustion and frustration. Um, I think another reason I did a, a video this weekend called uh, My Version of the Mean Tweet that I put out on Twitter and um, women are held to impossible standards right. that would be unthinkable for a man. Uh-huh. You know, and I read all the stuff people say about me. It has to do with how I put on my makeup, like what I'm wearing. Um, and no woman is good enough for the Internet. And I, I have seen many double standards even in this race, you know, when it was seven of us. Women are held to different standards. And, I, you know, it's hard not to take it personally. As a journalist, I've had the experience being insulted for things that have nothing to do with me. Right. um, You know, being a candidate is the opposite of being a troll. You're putting yourself out there, you know, standing firm for your beliefs. And um, there are lots of anonymous people who are willing to attack you, um, mostly along misogynistic lines. And that's really, really unfortunate. I can only imagine how difficult it must be juggling a campaign and kids and, you know, it must be a lot of work. And I feel like that's one of the biggest, um, I feel like it's one of the biggest reasons why many women don't run for office. I know that, you know, I've heard Nancy Pelosi speak about how difficult it is um, to juggle both and people have this almost unrealistic expectation that you're supposed to be perfect at both jobs. Right. And men are allowed to, like, leave their children for weeks at a time. Not that I, but it's not that women aren't allowed to. It's also just, it's not, you know, I was the primary caregiver yeah. for most of my kids' lives, and it's very hard for me not to see them as much as I used to. You know, it's not, it doesn't, um, but I think that the, what I'm doing is important, and I'm doing it for them to be, um, you know, a model for, you know, both my daughter and my son. Right. Um, but it's definitely, you know. Yeah, it's definitely it's difficult. Fun. But I I definitely do commend you for taking on this additional pressure and work. I mean, motherhood is already a full-time job. But I think it's really great that, I mean, you're really setting an example for other women out there that it is possible. I mean, there are obviously certain certain things that you know can get in the way maybe not as much time or as your kids don't eat as many vegetables but i think it's right. great for us to continuously see other women out there trying to run for office trying to you know put their values out there and 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 have voters vote on them to make you know your district and essentially the state a better place i agree that's why i'm doing it and i appreciate that yeah it's worth it i think <laughs> Someone asked me, a 23-year-old asked me a few days ago if, she would, if I would recommend her running for office one day, and I, I gave a long pause. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. not easy street. It's but, not. Um, the, only way, the only way we can transform our country is to put ourselves out there. That's what I'm trying to do. 
Yeah, that's a good line. Well, Laura, I want to wish you the best of luck in this election. I know early voting has already started, but good luck. And if you win the runoff, then best of luck in November. We will talk again. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay, thank you so thank much. Thank you really so much. Uh-huh. All right, everyone, that's our segment for today. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you are living in District 7 in the Houston area, I highly suggest you get out and vote on this uh, primary runoff if you are a Democrat or you voted in the Democratic primary back in March. And that's our segment for today. I hope you all will all get out and vote, um, regardless of if what you're living in Houston or not. If you voted in March, please get out and vote in the runoff for the your selected party. If um, you haven't voted in March but um, are still registered for one party or the other, um, you, like if you voted in a primary before for a particular party, see if you can vote in that um, primary runoff as well. Don't forget everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. Until next time.